And if you have your Bibles with you, won't you please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to be uh, closing off an important section this year of, of this wonderful letter that Peter writes to Christians. And so we're going to be focusing on verse 12 and 15, but for the last time this year, we're going to spend some time just unpacking this wonderful opening section, which is really the foundation for the rest of the book. And I do have it on the screen for you this morning if you don't have your device or your Bible with you. Um, let's read together from verse 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, here's our text today. I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in the body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. I don't know about you, but this letter is changing my life personally. Because I'm realizing on Peter's heart, and his heart for you today, that we're reading his letter 2,000 years later, is his purpose for writing is that he wants every Christian to live a godly life. He wants you, if you are a believer in Christ, to live with all your might for Jesus. That is your goal. If you don't yet know Jesus, friends, you have to, if that's you this morning, you have to bow your knee to him. But the second you come to faith in Christ, you have a purpose, and your purpose is to look like him and to live for him with all your might. And Peter knows us. He knows that this is not an easy thing. You can give me a nod this morning. If you've tried to live a godly life, you will know that you have a lot of 
problems. There's a lot of things that oppose you. Not so, it's not easy. And I love Peter because he gets us. And he knows that this thing of living for Jesus is not an automatic next step after coming to faith in him. But for Peter, and I want you to hear that this morning, no matter what obstacle or how difficult it feels to live for Jesus with your whole life, Peter believes it is possible. Can you just hear that this morning? Because there is something that can undercut the word of God in your life as you hear this and you can say, is this really possible for me? It is. It is. Because I want to remind you that Peter brilliantly unpacks step by step how we need to respond to this amazing faith in Jesus in our lives. And he says it's possible because first and foremost, because of what God has done for you. That's how he opens up the, the letter. He says, don't you know you've received a faith of equal standing with myself and apostle? You have the righteousness of Jesus. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness available for you. You have these precious and great promises. If you are in Christ this morning, my friend, you have everything in heaven at your disposal to live for Jesus. You've received a position, and it is the greatest thing that can happen to a human being. You have a position before this God of heaven as a child that belongs to him. But you see, what Peter wants to move on to is he says, this position that you have in Jesus, it comes with a purpose. It comes with great privilege, but these privileges come with a purpose, and the purpose is this is that you now start living for God. Now that you are in Christ, you start living for Him. And all of what God has done in your life, it is to enable you now to live the godly life so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. It is possible, 8 o'clock this morning, to live for Jesus. But if we're going to, it requires our partnership with what God has done in us. And please, Please, it's so important. If you are going to progress in your faith, you have to add certain things to it. And Peter says, you have to partner with what God has done in your life, and you do it in seven ways. You have to add to your faith, bring alongside this faith that you now have in Jesus. You have to bring in determination, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. God has done something in you, believer, yes, but now you must start doing something for God. This life is not automatic. And the reason why it is so important Peter stresses our partnership with this faith in our lives is because of the spiritual dangers attached to neglecting it. He says, it is possible if you do not add these things to your faith, you become unfruitful and ineffective. It is possible for a born-again believer to do nothing with their faith their whole life. Or it is possible for a born-again believer going to heaven to backslide. And he says, you can become short-sighted in your faith. You can start to forget that you were cleansed from your former sins. If we do not add these things to our faith, please hear me this morning. It has significant spiritual consequences, not just for your life, but for those who are observing you as a follower of Jesus. Ah, but Peter knows it's not just the dangers, but there's great blessing. And I... <laughs> I want to say, for some of us this morning, we need to hear this wonderful encouragement from Peter, is if you will add these things to your faith, it will do something for you. You will become more and more persuaded that you have come to faith in Jesus. Because as you 
add to this wonderful work of God in your life by bringing alongside your energy, your faith, your, your sense of purpose, by giving these seven qualities to what God has done in you, you will start to change. Peter is totally and utterly convinced. It's not a maybe. It's not perhaps that you will stay the same. He says, no, if you give yourself to your faith in these seven ways, you will never be the same again. Amen? And you will look at your life, and the evidence of grace in your life will be this. Oh, my goodness, over the years, I don't recognize myself anymore. I start to see this incredible faith being worked out in love. This is not a maybe. This is not a perhaps. Anybody is assured this morning, if you will give yourself to the salvation, you will never be the same again. And it's not just a blessing for you personally. It's a blessing for the life to come. Can I tell you, this is just the foyer. This is just the, the wonderful, what do you call it, rehearsal for the glorious day when Jesus comes again or when he summons you to himself and you're going to stand in everything that you have done. I don't know how he does it. He loves to do it. It's going to be glorious on that day. But don't you think these seven qualities are just done in cold blood for this life only? No, no. If you will add to your faith, believer, this morning, you will be eternally rewarded for it. And I have to ask you, are you interested in that today? Short-sightedness is saying this life is all that matters. No, no, the biblical perspective is we add to our faith because it is remembered for eternity. And I want to say to you, Peter wants these people to run hard after Christ and to live for him because there is an echo that goes throughout eternity where God rewards the glorious faithfulness of his people and it's going to be the greatest thing that can happen to you. Now, I will say this though. If you like me over these last six weeks, I've become increasingly uncomfortable <laughs> in a good way because I've realized that if we're going to live this godly life, it's going to require every single part of us. I am finding Peter being invasive into my thought life, my actions, my mouth. I'm realizing that if I'm going to respond to this word of God, it is going to require every ounce of my being. If you're going to live a godly life today, it is going to require the whole of your life. And Peter says this, don't you know you have to make every effort. You must add all diligence or be all the more diligent to make your calling election sure. You have to practice these qualities. If we are going to live this godly life for Jesus, it's going to require every single part of us. What am I saying this morning? Friends, you are not going to live a godly life if this is just an attachment. If this is just something that you do on a Sunday and you listen to and you go, oh, I've done what I need to do. If you are going to live a godly life, what Peter is saying is, it is the thing that will dominate your life, your thinking, what you're after. It has to be brought right into the center stage of your thinking and existence and passion. If we're going to live this godly life, it comes to in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we have to be devoted. That's what Peter is getting to here. Now, I'm taking my time because this is very important as to where we land this morning. Peter knows. He knows you and me. He knows unless this faith in Jesus is at the forefront of our minds, is at the center of what we orbit around, we're never going to live it. And he says, guys, you're going to face a problem if you're serious about living for Jesus. And he addresses it 
very, very well this morning. We have a problem. Something mitigates against us being able to keep this faith in the forefront of our minds. And it comes through in verse 12. He says, therefore, knowing all these things and what's at stake this morning and knowing what we're like as human beings, he says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in the body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be at, at any time able to recall these things. Because my first point today is what is the thing? This is a bit of a personal journey for me this morning. But what is the thing primarily that will stop you living a godly life? It is memory loss. It's the fact that we forget. You see, this thing of being forgetful as a Christian is not an age-related problem. If you've got gray hair this morning, this is not a problem related just to you. This is not a geriatric issue. Being spiritually forgetful is a part of our makeup as human beings. And Peter is a brilliant pastor. You know what I love about this guy? When I read his work, he gets me. He gets you. He understands what it's like to try and live out this life because he himself is a flawed human being. He's had to shepherd himself. And you know, Peter <laughs> had a lot of flaws. He was the master of the gaff. That's a lovely word I learned this last year. He would put his foot in his mouth all the time, not so. He was a volatile guy. He, had a, he fluctuated. His temperament was all over the place. He backslid. He experienced what it was like to be restored by grace. Man, he's lived this thing for 30 years. And he's also had to lead people. He's a very good elder. We're getting the best of the best of Peter's teaching 30 years after his ministry began. And he knows. He knows how you and I work and how to get us motivated to live for Jesus. You see, he understands this morning that the problem with our memory is this. It fades. And this is one of the great hurdles to living the godly life. We forget what God says to us sooner than what we like to think. Remember, I said to you there are two great dangers to your progress in the Christian life. The first is ignorance. Is you just do not add any knowledge to your determination. You're quite happy to have the basic, Jesus tells me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's as far as you get. No, no, we are to add knowledge. But the second great danger is this. And please listen to me this morning. It's forgetfulness. And this is a challenge not just for the new believer. He's talking to people who know the truth, he says, and are established in it. He's talking to people who have been listening to preaching for many, many years. He's saying this problem of forgetfulness is not just limited to the young whippersnapper believer. It's limited to the believer who's been around for 40, 50 years. And friends, I want to say to you today, this thing of memory, it is so important. We know what it's like to have listened to an amazing sermon, right? Or maybe we were in a worship service and God just moved so powerfully and you walk out of that service and you say, I'm never gonna be the same again. I'm never gonna forget what I heard at that service. Man, it's just a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. Then you forget. I tell you, it, it happens in my marriage. 
Marina will say, oh, do you remember that time when we saw this beautiful, we went to the Drakensberg, that's actually where I proposed to her. And she's saying, this and this happened, and this has happened. And I go, yeah, uh, I can't remember. Well, I cannot remember moments where I, you make these vows in your life. I, and I had a good chuckle. I remember the stupidest thing I ever did was our dog Shannon died. I was a little boy, and I decided I was going to light a candle for her every year. <laughs> I was lighting fire in my room, by the way. Not that uh, you knew about it, Mom and Dad. But then two weeks, I mean, I remember a couple of years later going, oh, yes, she died. Friends, this is what we are like. We think that we are going to be so able to recall things perfectly by our memory, but we don't. We don't. We forget, and we, for, we don't realize how much this has a spiritual consequence to our lives. <laughs> you see, forgetfulness, actually, let's just talk about this for a moment. Where does forgetfulness come from? It comes from sin. Don't you think it's fascinating how the things that you so want to remember, the good things are the things that you forget? But the things that you don't want to forget, the regrets, that stupid thing you said at the bra, or that thing that you said to your son or daughter or to your friend, the things that you don't, you want to forget, you can't. They're just on the replay button, not so. And friends, it is a side effect of sin that we actually are forgetful. It's the disruption to our minds. And you know what else is fascinating about forgetfulness? It is the essence of temptation. Did you know that? Have you ever done something stupid in your life? You yielded to some desire. Something came across your path, and that sensation gave, awakened your, your, your desire, and you just gave in. And afterwards, you said this, why did I do such a stupid thing? You ever done that before? Oh, please, I've, I've plenty of times. And you said, what was I thinking? And the problem is this, why is the word of God the sword of the spirit to the believer? Why is it the only thing that is offensive the rest is passive. You are guarding your heart. You are guarding your mind. You are guarding your belt of truth. You're guarding your sandals are on your feet. The only thing that you are to push back with is the word of God. It is truth. It's because of this. When temptation comes, we are tempted to be passive. And the voice of this flesh and the world and the devil come pouring in. And the thing that we knew a few seconds before, we forget. And maturity, let me, let me just remind you again, maturity today, my fellow believer, is your ability to not let go when under pressure of the things you know that are true about God and His Word. That's what it means to stand. And now, <laughs> Peter knows this is our problem, out of sight, out of mind. And even though we know these qualities, can, I did a little test this morning. Did any of you this morning hear the overview as we went, got to this, 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 this scripture today? And it happened to me the last two weeks when I haven't had to preach. Every time Joe has gone over the recap and Mark has gone over the recap, I go, wow, yes, I remember. I forgot. And this morning, although that we know these things, they're familiar, we are to add determination and, and, and knowledge and self-control and endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love. We know these things. We forget to do them. And that's why Peter says this. Ladies and gentlemen, we need reminding. He says it over and over. In actual fact, three times. He says, I always intend to remind you because what is the one great obstacle to your progress in the Christian faith is your forgetfulness. And I want to say there are two ways in your life 
that God has designed you to be reminded by. The first is this, is preaching. Why are we devoted to the apostles' teaching, as Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says? Is it because this preaching of the word of God today, it can feel like something very ordinary on some Sundays, but what it is doing for you is it is stirring you up by way of reminder. It is helping you realize these are the spiritual realities you are living in. It's more important than your car, than your bank balance, and the problem with your kids, the problem with your work and your ugly boss, all these things that seem to clutter our mind. No, no, no. Preaching reminds us to keep the main things the main things. And Peter says this, whilst I have every breath in my body, I am going to stir you up. I am going to preach so that you are reminded of these things that eternally matter. And he's got nothing new to write to them this morning. What he's concerned about is that they remember what he has already said. And friends, I want to say this is the essence of preaching this morning. I want to ask you this morning, how seriously do you take coming under the word of God regularly being preached to you? Can I tell you one of the things that has changed my life the most has been sitting under powerful preaching for years and looking back and going in my life and saying the space where God has been so transformative has been through this proclaimed word of God. Do you want to grow? Do you want to have a godly life? It will be determined by how seriously you take preaching the word of God and the preaching of the word of God over your life and mine. You see, this morning, friends, we live in a day and age where we are in trouble. Can I be open with you this morning? I have not had a very good last few weeks. <laughs> like many of you, when I talk to you, there have been a lot of challenges lately, right? And I got to the point where I said to the Lord the one day, Someone described it as a tantrum of the soul. Ever had that? Where you are just so over it. And I said to God, what are you doing? <laughs> and we all have our story, but I remember very clearly going, Lord, what are you doing? I am over this. And God began to remind me, say, Matthew, don't you remember what you've been preaching the last three weeks? that I'm going to be faithful to provide for you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Do you believe it, my boy? Because all of these things that are happening in your life are opportunities for you to put me to the test and to see that my word is true, that my promises that are so precious and great for you, they are true. They will be faithful to you. As you give yourself in faith to walk by trusting me, I am going to come through for you. That's what I've been trying to teach you these last three weeks. And you know what was so embarrassing to me? Was this is although I have to preach this four times a week. Do you know that? I preach this sermon four times. I have to prepare the whole week for this Sunday service. Do you think I could remember the very basics of when under trial, that these are God's word to me? It was so humbling. I just say to God, God, I'm so sorry. I forgot again and again. And you can, you can understand that in your life, not so? You can look back and say, and then you go to God, and God goes, Matthew, what have I been saying? I'll put your name there. What have I been saying to you for the last 17 years? What have I been saying? And I've realized 
that our problem as believers is this, is we want something new. It's the culture of the day. We want something original, not so? Give me something new, a new truth, something that's new and exciting. Give me something that's innovative. Give me something that's a new technique or a new strategy. It is the way that we're wired in the 21st century. We want something new and exciting. Let me tell you, what is exciting is when God begins to take you back to what is true in His Word, and you start to believe it, and you start to change because of it. Let me tell you, you don't need to know more right now. What you need to know is how are you living what you know. Because I want to say to you today, Jesus put it like this. It says, now that you know these things, he says, blessed are you if you do them. Don't you think the blessing comes amazingly in the second part? I want to ask you, how long have you been a church person? How long have you been a part of a small group? How long have you been a part of preaching? How long have you heard this word of God from a little boy, a little girl? You've grown up with it. I want to ask you today, don't get too excited about how much you know that is a good thing. Be excited about how much you are applying it. Because friends, the blessing in Peter's mind for God's people is not the fact that they just know these things. is that they start to see the power of the outworking in their lives as they do them. But you see... Can I say what the struggle is here? Don't, I'm so sympathetic to us this morning. You know what my problem is and what your problem is, is we live in a day of distraction, not so? I didn't bring it on stage with me, but it's this thing here. Anybody recognize this? Anybody feel a bit anxious when it's not attached to your person? Anybody linked? They watch to it. I mean, how crazy is that? I accidentally, my Bluetooth went on the other night. It can go through concrete upstairs. It's going through flashing, saying, you've got this message, you've got this. I'm telling you guys today, to be able to apply what God says is so difficult because it's so easy to forget. And the challenge for you and me is this, is that if we are to take God's word seriously, it takes longer than what we like to think for it to seep into our hearts and to address thought patterns in our lives and habits of behavior that have been ingrained in you and me for decades. And today, friends, I want to say part of the reason why Paul, Peter says this, I have to stir you up by way of reminder is, is that you've got so much competing for your headspace. And here's something very simple. Do you want to live a godly life? A life that receives the well done of Jesus. Your greatest challenge is to remember what God says and to do it. And each of you have got various challenges and stages in your life of demands. But this morning, I'm not saying anything profound. I'm saying something that's simple, and we all know we struggle with it, is how are you going to facilitate remembering in your life? Because for Peter, his first concern is, we might know these things, but we forget them. But I'd also say this. I'm going to hurriedly move to my second point. It is this is that we actually need supernatural help to apply these things. Do you know that we need supernatural help for our memory loss? Jesus put it like this. He said this. He said, you'll receive the help of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, 
and he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you today. Do I think it is possible to live a godly life despite all of these distractions, despite all of these temptations, despite all of these attachments? Yes, because the way the Holy Spirit helps the believer, helps you to live a godly life, is he is faithful to bring to remembrance what, he, what you have heard through the preaching of God's words and through the reading of Scripture. And one of the ways, one of the ways that we grow in being able to apply God's Word to our lives by simply, first and foremost, remembering is by developing the habit of being open to God. You see, it's not only just preaching that's important for Peter, but it's an openness to the Spirit because the way the Holy Spirit helps us apply what God has told us to do is He helps us to remember And so although we are to be intentional about remembering, the Holy Spirit helps us to remember. And you know one of the ways he does it as well? It's not just throughout your day as you develop an openness to his prompting and a reminder of his his voice in your life saying, remember what, what, what God has said to you. It is this. It is how often you read your Bible. Good, we're still on the first point. I'm sorry. You see, I've, I've, I've got a problem of forgetfulness. <laughs> Friends, the second thing that Peter says is not just preaching, it is regular Bible reading. He says this, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to recall all these things. It's not just preaching and then developing a a habit of meditating on what God says, whether you write it down, whether you listen to the sermons again, that openness to the Holy Spirit throughout your day, he's going to help you to remember but man, when he makes you remember, you've got to listen and you've got to obey, which will be my second point. But I just want to say this. Peter knows that after he departs, he wrote this letter for a reason. So that you can remember what's important in your life by reading it. And one of the ways that we don't grow is because we don't read God's Word. Why? It's because when we don't read God's Word, we forget what it says. And I'll tell you, one of the life-changing things that was said to me in a sermon one day was when the pastor said, you know, even just by reading one verse a day, just one verse will change your day because it will remind you of things that you didn't remember. Happened to me on Saturday. No, Friday. It was Friday. I opened up, I'm currently in Revelations, the first word, to those whom he loves. And I didn't get past the first verse of that chapter. But as I was reading it, it just changed my heart. It reminded me of the love of God. It reminded me he's with me. He reminded me I'm not alone. Just this simple reading of God's word, the primary way outside of preaching that God speaks to us is scripture. And again, we're going to press home the point. Friends, today, are you reading God's word? Are you giving yourself to it? Even just one verse a day is better than nothing. And it's true. He said, this guy that was preaching, he said, if you don't read God's word, you'll be weak that day. Not because of some ritual or something that you were supposed to do. It's because you just forget. You just forget. And so, friends, today, how seriously are you going to take preaching? And how seriously are you going to take the Word of God? And how seriously in your life, what do you need to change in your habits today to create space for God to get hold of you and for you to be able to remember what He says? Because my closing point is this. Is ultimately, friends, today, remembering is important. Remembering is important, but obedience is even more important.
We live in a day and age where people think knowing is as good as doing. And we crunch lots and lots of facts. We crunch all things, all, we are, are, are knowledge-enriched 21st century human beings. But what we lack is ability to apply what we know, is that self-control. And Peter is repeating what he said in these seven qualities. He says, don't you know? That we are to add knowledge, ah, but straight after knowledge, we are to add self-control to our faith. There is to be an endurance. Not only are we to work out how we're going to remember these things, we are to work out in our lives how we're going to apply them. And I just want to make a point about preaching this morning. Is that preaching is not just to remind you intellectually. It's to stir you up in your heart to live for Jesus. Why do you think Peter says this? He says, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. He knows that this job of preaching that he's learned over these 30 years is not just to help us remember things intellectually. It's to stir our hearts in the will and in our emotions to change. And I just want to make this point briefly because sometimes we can misunderstand the point of preaching. Friends, at SBC today, this pulpit is not just here to help you be interested intellectually in Jesus and his faith. It's to stir your heart to love him and live for Jesus with all your might. That means this preaching is going to be passionate. That means when we preach, we're not just going to give a little talk or a little discussion or say things in a way that go, oh, that's so interesting. The worst thing you can say to a preacher after a sermon is, that's so interesting. Because all that's happened is you've just, all the preacher's got to is your mind. No, no. Peter knows that this preaching is to stir up your heart. It's to stir up your will and your emotions. And it comes through the mind. But this preaching to Peter, it is something that is passionate. It is exhortative. It is preaching to the whole of you. Now, why do I make this point this morning? It is because sometimes it's preaching that we don't like. Because the things that we love as human beings is we like to know things, but don't invade my comfort zone and call me to change. And friends, part of this preaching role that Peter is passionate about is it not only to remind us of the truth, but it is to stir us. It's to stir us. Good preaching in your life, can you hear me this morning? Is preaching that awakens you to the things that you've forgotten first and foremost. But secondly, it awakens you in your life where you say, that's not just interesting. It's that I've got to change. There are things in my life that are so important. I've got to change. I've got to attain to this word. This, word, this Greek word of being stirred up, to stir us up, is to be fully awakened. And to be a fully awakened as a Christian is to sit under preaching, which will not let you just sit idly by, oh, that's so interesting. It makes it personal. It makes it, in a sense, confrontational at times. It makes, us, it makes it applicable that when this preaching comes, what is the purpose of preaching? It is a call for transformation. And what is transformation? It is when you get information and you apply it. And I'm worried that... In this day and age, too much of our attitude towards preaching has changed in the church. 
preaching more and more is becoming something that simply promotes comfort. But I want to say to you today, biblical preaching, when you hear it, will not let you stay the same. Because what Peter is interested in today is that you live a godly life. And the word of God is comforting, yes, but it's comforting for you to keep going, to not throw in the towel. The word of God is encouraging, yes, but it's encouraging faith for you to continue to press on in those areas of weakness where you know you need to add to your faith. It's preaching that brings hope, but hope what for? Not that you are so disillusioned thinking I'm never going to change, this world's going to pot, yada, yada, yada. No, no, preaching gives you the hope that this power inside of you is sufficient to move you forward and it matters eternally. Preaching is, is exhortative, it's bold, it's something that calls for change. Will you create that space in your life to sit under it and to respond to it? I am okay this morning if sometimes you get a little bit upset with me. Because I don't just want you, oh, I'll put it like this, it's a sign for me. Not only that you're listening, but that you are forced to examine your life. Because the worst thing as an eldership for us is to see a church that never changes. You know what I want for you? I want to see you next year stronger than what you were this year. I want to see you growing in your ability to trust Jesus no matter what. I want to see you become people of faith where you trust in God. You're saying, you know what? I know whom I have believed. I want to see you people, a people recovering well when they stumble in their weakness and sin, not losing their confidence, making their calling and election sure. As Peter is preaching to us through the scripture this morning, I'm wanting to preach to you. I want to see you go further. I want to see you go higher. We're going to present you before Christ one day. And let me tell you, it's going to be our moment of reckoning. As elders, if we just leave you the same, let me tell you, there is going to be not only loss for you, there's going to be loss for us. Our passion is to see you become like Jesus because it matters not just for you in this life but the next, and it matters to this city. Let me tell you, the greatest testimony to the power of the gospel is a transformed life, amen? Is a church that is becoming the fragrance of Jesus, that in this city we're not only sitting under good preaching, but we're living it. We're saying this is God's word to us, and they're seeing people growing in faith, hope, and love. Let me tell you, this world... There is just this global gloominess at such a time as this. I, I, I cannot have a conversation without hearing frustration, loss, and despair. Fear, that's right. Christians, we know whom we've believed. This is the hour for the salt and light of the church to grow. But it will only happen if we keep the main things central in our lives, if we will keep the gospel, Jesus Christ, his coming, these things that preaching is to awaken us to, that this world is passing away. We know where it's going. We know where our hope lies. And we want the world to join us in it. It's only Christians who have this thing central in their prayer life, in their living, in their thinking, in their speaking. That's going to get the world's attention. Friends, this is the hour. This is the time. 
to have our whole lives caught up with this faith in Jesus Christ. I don't care where you've come from this morning. Let me tell you, I'm preaching from a place of weakness. I've been so humbled this week. What the Bible's interested in is, are you going to run for Jesus? Paul put it like this, forget what lies behind. Press on to what lies ahead. Let's be stirred up by way of reminder this morning. Let's live for him. Let's give ourselves to him. Let's remind ourselves that this is the greatest thing that can happen to a human being. If it's happened to you, my friend, this morning, if you have faith in Jesus, oh, praise God. You are set up to live this life for him. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, this morning, oh, how we need you. But we are aware, God, that you've given us what we need. And so this morning, I just want to start off by saying, what has the Lord been saying to you this morning? What has the Lord been saying to you? If it's been that you've just forgotten or that this world is clouded, the, the worries, riches, and pleasures of this world have crowded in, would you just say to Jesus, Lord, forgive me. And would you say to him, Lord, by your spirit, would you help me be open to change, to remember these things that are so important, these things that truly matter. But if there's anybody here this morning who does not yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have to respond to him. There are only two realities, heaven and hell. And we want you to be ready for heaven. <laughs> and so today, you need to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you respond to him? Would you say to him, Jesus, I need you. If you're listening in this morning and you are not ready to meet your maker, Oh, Lord, in these days, I pray you'd make us a people that are sober-minded, that see the value of what you've given us in Christ, the pricelessness of it, Lord. Help us be a people that live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to just sit and contemplate some of the message this morning, maybe there's an area where you just have to deal with the Lord, and you're welcome to stay seated, and you continue to meditate on what God has said to you. But if there is, you want to join us, and we're all going to stand together. If you're ready to worship, you can stand right now. And we're going to sing to the Lord, and let these songs just act as an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to remind us of the faith we have, and the blessing of what it means to follow Him. If you have a word or testimony, you're welcome to come to Peter in the front, but let's worship the Lord together.
that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it has washed over us this morning. Washed over us again. we come this morning, we commit ourselves to press on. We commit ourselves to press on. Not just to recognize, Lord, that uh, you've made us your own. We rejoice in it. But we press on to make it our own because Christ Jesus has made us His own. We press on, Lord. We commit ourselves to press on. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. As we give ourselves this morning, won't you come? Breathe your life again into us. We respond to you, Lord. Respond to your word. Respond to you, Lord Holy Spirit. We give ourselves to you. Simply give ourselves to you. To press on. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Oh, what glory. Oh, what a glorious thing this morning that we are yours. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. We want to walk in a way that is pleasing to you. We want to bear much fruit for you. We want to see your kingdom advanced. We give ourselves to that this morning. We've done it many times and we do it again. Over and over and over. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Blessed be your name. May your name be exalted. May your name be glorified. May your kingdom be advanced in and through us. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit. I encourage you this morning as we sing these songs that you press on in the Lord. Thank you. 
finger on certain parts of our lives and when the Lord puts his finger by his Holy Spirit on parts of our lives then we respond to him we respond specifically to that thing or those things that is how we honor him that's how we bow the knee to him that's how we allow him to come by his Holy Spirit and move and show us another way and break that thing in our lives or encourage us in it. That's how the Lord works with us. And so this morning as we uh, have been meditating on this word, as we've been listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to us, let's just take a couple of minutes to respond to the Lord this morning personally, specifically.
Lord, we love the way that you work with us. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to strive with us, that you continue to minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to come to you in obedience this morning. Your word says that obedience is better than sacrifice. But we're not discouraged this morning. We love your faith to rise up in us this morning, Lord. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We bow the knee in obedience to your word. We rejoice that we are yours. Never, Lord, to lose it. Blessed be your name. So we commit ourselves to you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the ministry of your word and your Holy Spirit. We give ourselves to you. You might want to remain a bit more and meditate on what the Lord's been saying to you. Let the Lord bless you. It's been lovely to be with you this morning. You may leave when you feel the Lord releases you. Amen.